Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, here with Keith Myers. We're going to talk some Seahawks football. Hey, Keith. Hey, Bill. How's it going down there in uh, in Arizona? Uh, it is sunny, but it is cooler thanks to you guys up north. You're pushing all your coldness and and uh, weather uh, climate stuff this direction, so it's uh, it's only 70 degrees today. And uh, only it's, it's it's sweater weather. It's like 55 and gray and ugly and rainy up here. And it kind of um, the weather matches the mood uh, around the Seahawks after that um, that loss this weekend. Oh, well, on on, on the good news front, Pete Carroll uh, had a contract extension uh, for him uh, through the year 2025. And Pete's quote was. They didn't have to announce it on the day we gave up 44 points, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It he, was also, he also didn't want to announce it when the, when the contract actually happened, which was months ago, because he felt it was bad optics to, you know, be talking about his multi-million dollar extension when a bunch of people were out of work because of the pandemic. And, yeah. Um, so they put it off and that kind of stuff, but they did want it to come out now rather than later so that people, you would... mean at Christmas time? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> and, and people also, they wanted to make sure there weren't any doubts about Pete or, and his commitment to the team. And if he was going to retire or he, they didn't want any of that to happen. And so they waited as long as they felt they could. Um, and then chose to, uh, let it leak. So, yeah. Well, congratulations to Pete. You know, it's something that he's earned. I know that every time we lose, it's it's kind of you know half of uh, the Seahawks fandom kind of loses their their minds and definitely wants to turn the blame onto onto different folks. And Pete's definitely on that short list. And uh, I get it. You know, it's uh, he's fully accountable for basically everything. I mean, he's the president of uh, football operations and the head coach mm -hmm. and he assumes basic control of, of the defense and uh, takes the fall when they, when they don't do well and kind of, you know, uh, keeps Ken Norton uh, from getting run over by the, the Twitter truck Seahawks, Twitter truck. And uh, I, I get it, but uh, you know, congratulations. Nonetheless, I think it's, it's a well-deserved kind of, extension um it could be a lot worse seahawk fans believe me uh both keith and i have been there <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, i mean um, um people that have been um only fans of the team during you know this era or during the holmgren era and this era um only know of a couple of years in the middle where things got bad but those of us that have been around since well you've been around since the late 70s as a fan and i've been around since the early 80s it gets worse it only gets worse <laughs> this is about as good as this is as history. good as it gets no really i mean you know you're either this or you're belichick and then everything else is below that well um, and the thing is look what's going on with belichick this year sure it took a it's last a correction second field, year. a last second yeah. field goal to beat 
the Jets, who are one of the worst teams in NFL history, according to DVOA. So, um, yeah, it's really it really is that bad for them. And, you know, when the Seahawks did their rebuild, they went 11 and five, made the playoffs. Or no, they went 10 and six that first year, 11 and five the following year. But, um, you know, we went through that um, rebuild without having to go through a rebuilding season um with all the losses so yeah i mean it it worked and um pete's he need he needs to be given credit for that so uh thanks for joining us everybody today regardless of uh, wins or losses keith and i are here every week to kind of break things down uh what we like to do uh before we get to the game is we kind of um come into uh what's going on this week uh injury front all that kind of stuff so Again, the Pete Carroll extension was probably the the most noteworthy thing uh, so far this week after the after the game. Injuries uh, on the injury front, Pete was uh, fairly obtuse as far as uh, when we can expect players like Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, Amadi, and Griffin to come back. He said the determinations will be made uh, towards the end of the week. That's pretty normal. Um, would love to be able to get at least one of those running backs back into the fold. I, I threw a tweet out there today that, you know, basically said, listen, I, this might be an unpopular take, but uh, we need to, to let Russ cook less and and have Russ hand the ball off a, a bit more. Yeah, but how are you going to do only, that with Carson? If only, Keith, to allow the defense to remain off the field, the historically bad defense to remain on off the field a, a little bit longer during games. That's no, that I, was my only I get criteria. That part, but how do you how do you make a commitment to the running game when Carson and Hyde are both out? Um, you've got Homer, who's part gimpy and part just not a good uh, running back between the tackles. So you've got um, you know DJ Dallas, who's a rookie, who's looked promising but missed mo- or he was being evaluated for a concussion for like 45 minutes before they cleared him uh, in this game. And so you had Alex Collins who joined the team a week ago, um, taking the the bulkier snaps there for a while. I mean, this isn't a situation where the team had the option of running the ball a lot. And so, um, yeah, I get that, but you know what? This is the NFL. I mean, Teams are going to, especially at the running back positions, there are quality stand-in uh, available players that, that can come in and give you some yards, give you some some plays. Um, we're not without talent. I mean, Alex Collins is, has, uh, has, has been in the NFL now for, for four or five years. Uh, you got a guy like DJ Dallas, uh, you know, who should be able to, to manage the, the offense at this point and give you some quality carries. Uh, Homer is not a guy without talent. Now, he might not be the best running back out there in the world. He had a really nice uh, screenplay in this game that I thought that was well, telling of his he, ability. He can do that and but, he can pick up the But play. he can do that. That's the point. He can he can be out there. I mean, you can be but functional in an the, offense. But that's not running the ball. He's being out there to but pass But Alex block. Collins is a guy that can run the ball between the tackles for you, and he probably should have had another five touches in this game. However, it's hard to do that when you're we behind. were playing behind. Listen, they were up 14 points before Russell Wilson had his fourth snap. Yeah. I get it. It was bad, right? I get it. This probably was not going to be the game that we were going to establish a running game. 
Um, but I'm thinking going forward, going forward, that uh, we need to do everything possible to help this defense out. And one of the ways that we can help them out is keep them off the field. I mean, that's that's the way that we could probably help this team maybe win a game uh, without putting it all on Russell Wilson to be successful without mistakes. We saw what happened in the Arizona game when Russell Wilson had three turnovers. We saw what happened when he had two fumbles um, based on, on, you know, one was a strip sack and the other one was, you know, he was trying to run for his life after he got um, blitzed and, and coughed the ball up. And then the two forced interceptions were, you know, so what I'm saying is it would, I think it would be helpful if we could run the ball just a little bit more, maybe a little bit more balanced right now to, to help that defense out just a little bit. I don't know. If you start running the ball more and therefore... Maybe not more on first and second down, but taking, just more overall. If you're, if you're running the ball more, what we've, what it's, what's shown is that the Seahawks will score less. And with the defense they have, they cannot afford to score less. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, Keith. I think that the, the Seahawks can score no less than 35 points to win games this year. Well, and they're, that's what they're averaging. I mean, in a game... And where the offense turned the ball over four times and, you know, well, that's the struggled. difference in they this still, game, honestly, they still scored 34 points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. And that's the difference in the game is the turnovers. We got four. They didn't have any. Yeah. I mean, and you the, know, the defense could not get a stop. It was ugly. I mean, it started off the, that first drive. I mean, yeah, there was, but the, we were only down by seven at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And they a, ended up racking up 14 straight points and that was the end of it. Yeah. I mean, but it, it started out early in the game. Like the, the first Bills possession was three plays, three big pass plays, touchdown. No, there was no pass rush. There was no coverage. I mean, it really was a just with the Seahawks just spotted them points. And then the offense looked out of sync too. They went three and out, punted the ball back. And, you know, the Rams went down the or the, the Bills went down the field again and got a another easy touchdown. I mean, there was very little resistance. Yeah. At that point, and you look at at this, and and there, there's some really there's some really uh, bad parts to this um, as we we look at all of it because one of the things is that uh, you know Pete Carroll came out and said that they were they were shocked at how much the Bills were gonna um, were trying to throw the ball. Yeah, that was a crazy uh, statement because I mean you have historically the worst pass defense in the history of the NFL. Statistically, I mean, you genuinely yeah. do. Well, and, and you look at the Bills, too. They were uh, in in the top five in the NFL in uh, passage, uh, pass usage over average. Yeah. And so, you know, so they came in as a known quantity. Only one other team between the Seahawks and the Bills that, that passed more often in, in those early downs. Yeah. And so it just, that, I mean, and then, you know, the, the coverage that they had, I mean, very first oh, yeah. the very the, first play coverage? from the very first play from scrimmage had Stefan Diggs, who's one of the you know elite speed big play guys in the league, being covered by a linebacker. Now, like it's Bobby Wagner, and he's an All Pro. I get that. Yeah. But, but the scheme on the very first play was to have Bobby Wagner in coverage against their best receiver. Guess what? Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it's, it's interesting, you know, you have, you have Adams come back and it just changes things and you get situations like that, that are a result of that, where you're having Adams player closer to the line of scrimmage and stuff. 
or play out of uh, out of the normal scheme and just kind of wing it, you know, which he does on occasion. And then he's over on the sideline yelling at, at everyone, yelling at the coach that, hey, look, you know, you, you play me, you rush me, and I produce and I, I do good things. Yes. But there's also bad things. Uh, there's, there's things that turn out bad when you sell out. And we saw that on a couple of screen pl- passes uh, in this game. We saw it over and over. Um, you know, let's, I mean, we just get right into the game. I had a couple other things to talk about, but shoot, let's, let's go. Um, Allen was out of his mind, um, as far as being able to, to complete passes. I think he, at one point was, uh, I had it written down here somewhere 20. Well, he was, he ended up, you know, right around 30 or 37 for over 400 yards, three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. But early in the game, he was 22 at 24. Yeah, I mean, and, he literally and 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 three runs. So twenty four passes, three running rushing attempts, and Seattle was playing trying to defend the run that entire time, that entire first half. And the C, and not only that, but the Bills were um, were averaging what was it like eleven point three yards per play oh. per play, every play on average That's is brutal. a first down. I mean, literally, this is the it, there was just no defense now. Early on at the, you know, in the very beginning, there was no pass rush whatsoever. Then they started dialing up the blitz and dialing up the pass rush and there was no coverage whatsoever. Um, two weeks ago against Arizona, they did not have a quarterback hit at all. This week, they did not have a pass defended at all. I mean, the pass defense isn't just bad. It's bad everywhere. Yeah. Well, Buffalo, first half drives, five offensive drives, 24 points scored on 28 throws and three and three running plays. Um, Wilson, conversely, was sacked or hit, knocked down 16 times in this game. Still ended up being 28 at 41 for 390 yards, a couple touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, but two force fumbles and the two interceptions were the difference. Well, you know, it's, I will say I don't, I don't blame I hate putting that all on him, but I don't blame it, Russ for the first interception at all. It was, um, it was it a was broken fourth, play, but he tried to force it in there. It was fourth down. Yeah. So what do you do on fourth down? There's people in front, there's people in front of him. He can't run for it. Um, there's nobody. He threw open. it into triple triple coverage into the end zone. There, I probably would have tried to scramble another two or three seconds. I mean, he had the ability to kind of work himself back. Now that he's run into trouble a few times there, where he's gotten sacked, taken a sack, and a you know, big loss. But that was his really only option, other than to throw it in the major coverage, and he elected to throw it up there. I get it. I mean, you. But the play call is one that they've done. Way too many times in that situation. That's where Colby Parkinson could come in handy, I think. Yep. Maybe. So they 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 they've run the same play in this in in a similar spot over and over and over again. So the Bills knew it was coming. They'd practiced for it, and they defended it. And they had him stopped. They had everybody covered. He tried to throw it up and give his guy a chance because what's the difference between you know throwing an interception there or throwing it out of bounds? Because that was what. People were asking me, he's like, I'm not going to throw it away. It's fourth down. Um, and so he's either going to run and not get it. He's going to um, throw it out and not get it. Or he's going to give his his player a chance. And he just got a little, not quite as much air under it as he thought he had uh, to get it over the uh, the defensive back and down in, you know, at the back line of the, uh, of the end zone. Uh, ultimately, I mean, he made, 
he gave one of his guys a chance to make a play, which is all you can do. I get it. No, I get it. And I'm not going to complain about that one too much. But the other, Um, the other interception was bad. And the, the two fumbles were just not, I mean, yeah, that's really hard to blame him on those as well. It's hard. Especially that strip sack where the the last one of the game, it just was, it's it's hard to, at the same time, like there's been a lot of times this year where, uh, especially in the Arizona game too, where, the you knew the you knew the pressure was coming. Make sure that your you get your the block, line calls are correct. Make sure yeah. you get your block your line calls correct. And if they are correct, then you know where the free rusher is coming from, and you yeah. have to get the ball out of your hand. I've noticed some lapses there this year as well. You know, this is the seventh turnover in the last three games by Russell Wilson. Five interceptions, two lost fumbles. It's really uncharacteristic, especially if you look at the first half of the of the year, the first six games. <clears throat> you know, he was nearly perfect. I mean, we're talking about uh, the front runner with no rivals as uh, MVP. Yeah, and he's, he's same thing in, happened last year, Keith. Same thing happened last year. He started extremely strong and then tailed off. I'm, I don't know what it is. Um, if it's if it's just him pressing too much, knowing that he needs to carry the team, or or what, but. It's it's concerning a little bit. I think getting um, hit sixteen times a game might have something to do with it too. Yeah, I mean, that's well, not... Pete Carroll said, you know, Pete's Pete's quote is, uh, you know, teams that turn the ball over four times are two uh, have a record of a, a combined record of two and one hundred and twenty nine in the last ten years. Um, so if you're going to turn the ball over that much, you're, you're going to lose the game, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the tough part is throwing those interceptions, even though he's trying to make something happen. You're given the opportunity. You're taking your points off the board, and you're giving the the, the other team an opportunity to uh, rush and uh, and throw their way down the field and score against our historically bad defense, which is uh, w- which is the major problem, you know. And if if you're going to give the ball back to uh, to an offense against our defense this year, I'm not liking those chances. You know, it's just one of those things that you know. We're seeing teams score on us almost at will. So anyway, and and he said, you know, and and Pete kind of, it was interesting. We were talking about the secondary, and I know we're kind of jumping all over the place. So sorry about that. But the secondary, um, you know, he claimed that we were caught off guard, and maybe we didn't have the correct schemes and so forth. But he's he talked about the coaching and he talked about the scheme and he said, no, it's not the coaching. It's not the scheme. We've got everything in place. We're, we do a really good job on study and film and stuff. Uh, and then he, he basically blamed the players. He said, it's, it's an execution situation. Players are, are, are coming into the week. They know what they're supposed to be doing. Everything's good. We got a game plan they go into the game. They're not, not executing. Well, that's um, part of it. But it's it. beyond but it's, that. It, it's technique. It's tackling. It's fundamentals. It's scheme. It's situational it awareness. Scheme. It's a, it's, you, it's injury. It's you, players being out of position. You blitz eight people on third and sixteen and get and get beat by a fairly obvious screen call um, for a first down. Right. You have everything set up, but you're playing your cornerbacks fifteen yards off the wide receiver so they can just get inside leverage for that an easy was reception. not part of the scheme though. Pete said that that was not the way that they wanted to have that was dialed. If they up. don't want that, he di- basically threw Quentin Dunbar under the bus. If he they said don't Quentin want, was not supposed to be 
If they don't want it to happen and it's happening over and over and over and over again, every play, pull him and put someone in there who's willing to do what you're going to do. That is also. I do agree. I agree with that. If he's not, if he's not going to do his job um, on these plays with all these play calls, then put someone in who will. I know. And why are they playing a a player like that that has a known chronic knee injury that's obviously debilitated to the point where he's not able to play to the scheme and play up to his normal self? Um, why is he in there? Like, why? They've got other guys. If they if coming into the game, they should have probably activated another corner just because. Um, you know, uh, Quentin Dunbar's pro football coverage grade on the season is 45.6 and against the bills it was 28.8 we all saw it you know these guys awful yeah i mean the other thing is that i mean it was it was awful the the they didn't get a lot out they didn't get as much out of reed the um the nickel corner this week as they did the week i thought he was out of position a lot too well let me let me share these Pro football focus, secondary grades on the season. Quandre Diggs, 58.5. Trey Flowers, 50.6. Shaq Griffin, 59.7. Ugo Amadi, 64.1, the leader of the group. Quentin Dunbar, 48.9. Jamal Adams, 60.8. Ryan Neal, 56.5. DJ Reed, 57.5. They're all mediocre, at best. At best. Yeah. I mean, okay. we, historically, you have to, they're the worst, here's, right, here's as a group. A, I have massive problems with using that because pro football focuses grades are done from the broadcast angle. Yeah, but at least we know something. We, we don't at least know. We there's have, no meaningful information on anything about the secondary from them because they do it from the broadcast angle where you can't see the secondary. So they guess. Right. This is why they had Earl Thomas as a middling safety for his entire career. I'm I'm not you wanna you wanna give me defensive line play? Great. You wanna give me quarterback and running back play? I'm all for it. But don't I I I cannot take pro football focus seriously on secondary play when you when they're judging them on um when they can't see them. They're doing it from the broadcast angle. All right, so let's talk about the the, the line they played better in this game but in the span of the th- in, in the last three weeks the Seahawks had one game without a single quarterback hit oh the line's been the, yeah the line's and a, been and bad. another game without a single pass defended yeah I mean and and so I'm not I'm not wanting to say that the um you know that the defense has been good I'm just saying I there is nothing useful to be given from the defensive back grades on, on pro football focus. Anything Defense, all time yards allowed. Anything, 2011 anything Packers, 4,796. Anything you can see in the broadcast angle is fine. Anything that Seahawks, you can't see from the broadcast angle, which Seahawks is everything are on in the on pace secondary. to give up 5,794 yards. That's all time worst by 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. That's That's crazy. I mean... 365.7 yards a game average given up just, you know, with the, with the pass defense. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And everyone's talking about Ken Norton and Pete swears to God, it's not Ken Norton. It's him and it's, he's owns it. And uh, yeah, Pete it's Carroll, a combination of Pete a lot Carroll of different said factors. That he was the one who did the play call um, on the third and 16 blitz. Yes. You're and right. Here's the, here's the thing. Go back and watch what's going on. At no point 
at no point before that snap is he the guy uh holding up the clipboard and calling the play into the into the headset he's talking to other people uh on the sidelines he and then he doesn't talk at all and you know it does his little hands on his thighs thing that he does uh, for most defensive plays he didn't call that play he's taking the heat for norton for that play um because there was no at no point did he actually talk into the headset to make a play call So I don't, it's, I don't buy, I don't, I mean, I, I honestly don't buy that, um, that Ken Norton Jr. is not at fault with all of these. I mean, I know that Pete Carroll's in the room during the game planning, but he's not running that meeting. Ken Norton is running that meeting. Ken Norton is the guy that, that goes in on. How about Monday. Andre Curtis? Defensive back, defensive passing game coach, Andre Curtis. Does yeah. he have any responsibility? He oh, was he... also the assistant secondary coach for the Saints in 2012 when the Saints set their record for the most yards allowed in a single season. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. There is, there's, there's blame to go around. Um, okay. So, so, okay. So let's take a deep breath and just say we're, we're done we're done just kind of hyper throwing a bunch of stuff out. Let's kind of drill down a, a little bit and just talk about what's going on. I mean, it's really hard to, to identify exactly what's going on. We thought it was the pass rush. We thought it was the pressure rate, all that kind of stuff. Seahawks did a really good job this game. And now granted, a lot of it came from blitzing. They blitzed 56% of the time or whatever, all, you know, season high blitz rate. Uh, but they were able to get to, uh, the quarterback seven times had another couple of knockdowns that were called back uh, because of penalty. Um, and uh, we can talk about Carlos Dunlap too. I thought he had an amazing debut for the Seahawks, but that didn't seem to help. That didn't seem to affect their ability to make completions all over the field. No, the, so the, you, um, that was clearly then pointed to me that it's a, almost a hundred percent a secondary problem. It's both. It's absolutely both because if you go back two weeks ago when they they didn't have a quarterback hit the entire game, um, the coverage was better. It was that they got zero pressure, and in this game they got pressure, but the coverage was worse. Um, and a big difference is, I mean, you look Shaq Griffin's their best corner, and yeah. he he's not out there. Um, yeah. Amadi's out there. Oh. They got DJ Re- or uh, yeah DJ Reed who's playing in his second game back from injury and second with the Seahawks in general. Yeah. And then you, the and you've got Dunbar out there um, playing on one leg. He shouldn't have been out there. I mean, yeah. you, you could not have watched that game and not thought that the team wouldn't have been better with um, Lyndon Stevens at corner. Your best, your best secondary defender was Trey flowers. Yeah. Against the, the bills. And the thing is, he's actually played all right. The last three games. Yeah. He yeah, but he, he hasn't been he hasn't been <laughs> the terrible player that he was Correct. most of la- most of last year and a couple times earlier in this year. The last three games he's been all right. Um but they're getting they're not getting much out of Dunbar. They're not getting um I'm very disappointed in that situation so far. Yeah, they're 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 not getting as much out of uh, digs on the back end that they got at last they're year. They're not getting anything out of Jamal Adams in coverage, which is surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're basically, he, they're, they want him to beat Cam Chancellor. And what's going on with Quandre Diggs this year? 
Um, I don't know. He's just not giving you any special play at all. And just, he, he's just average. Yeah. All the, best. all of the, uh, cause this was a guy that was a pro bowler before coming to Seattle and he played like a pro bowler when he was healthy last year. He just Keith, we were much. talking about the beginning of the year being one of the two or three best secondaries in the NFL on paper. Well, yeah, but and it has had, not translated. No, because, um, Blair's out. Well, that's a lot of it. Griffin's been injured. Amadi's injured, which is the second uh, bat, the backup mm-hmm. nickel. And now Amadi's well, you injured. Your, You're playing the third string nickel. You're playing your third defense. string nickel. You had your um, second string left cornerback. Your fourth string strong safety in there for most of the time. Uh, you've got your yeah your your second string cornerback, but your one of your starters is out there and shouldn't be because he can't he can't run. Um, and it, it's just, a, it's a mess and everybody's it got, in, everybody's got injuries, but then there, there's something about like, you know, figuring out a way to make it work. Um, you know what you have, uh, there's a lot of good players on this team, Keith, in order to make it work. I mean, now you got Carlos Dunlap, you obviously have Bobby Wagner, and KJ, Wright. You've got Jerron Reed's having a decent, you know, year. He's not, it's not stellar, but he's man, been coming he on the last couple game. of games. Yeah. Uh, you got that guy, you got a couple other guys that are veterans out there. Um, obviously Jamal Adams is, is a tremendous talent if they use them correctly. Um, so they've got some players to build around. It's not like this team is void of talent. See, here's what I want to see and what I would have loved to see in the, in this game. And they did a little of it in the second half, but very little. And that is Ryan Neal as the nickelback, not playing corner, but playing safety the way they used uh, Marquise Blair as a third. So what do you think of the idea of of not having Jamal Adams jumping around as much and playing him in a traditional spot, either traditional strong safety. So everyone on the team knows he's a strong safety and that's where he's going to play from. And that's where he's going to be or strong side linebacker. You play him at strong side linebacker and that way on third downs, passing downs, he can come up and rush the passer. I mean, either way, I think you're wasting be, his talent. Yeah, I know you're wasting his talent, but I'm talking about saving the season here and, and saving the defense and having a guy playing in, in a traditional role where the team and his his teammates who haven't played with him very much know where he should be, where he's accountable to be. Um, right now, I think maybe that's contributing to some of these situations where you, you know, I watched a couple of, of uh, plays where they had, a couple of Seahawks players out there with their heads cut off like chickens running around, not really sure where they were supposed to be. It looked like maybe they were covering areas that they normally probably didn't have responsibility for. And so I'm just wondering if that's some of it, the communication aspect of this situation. I, I think that go lands on the coaching. If you're going to, if you're going to call a play that asks yes. for Jamal Adams to re- you know, come up and blitz from his strong safety spot, you better have called a play with coverage behind that to make up for the fact that you don't have your strong safety there. And if you call that play, the people who are in there should know what they're doing. I agree, that's but it's co- not happening. That's coaching. That's not, oh, you, you're you you're asking Jamal Adams to do too much. That's, make sh- get everybody on the same page. You can use Jamal Adams all you want as a, pass rusher or a linebacker or a slot um, corner or a strong safety and move him all around. All that you need is that the other people on the field know what the play call is. 
if they right, don't know but what obviously the play that's call too is, complicated through game eight. That appears to be too complicated for this defense to pick up in practice for whatever reason. I'm not saying then it's too somebody's not coaching that. Listen, then it's too complicated the for the coach Keith, to charge and he should be replaced. Here's, here's the deal. Pete Carroll is, is we've known this is kind of a Pete Carroll defense. Now, yes, Ken Norton's the disciple. He runs the defense on a, on a, on a daily, but Pete Carroll's the guy. Pete Carroll's one of the best teachers in the business, Keith. We know that because it's already been proven as, as to be a fact, regardless of personnel, he's been able to mold and shape players and defenses to be really pretty good most years. Now there's been a five year track record where it's been, it's been poor and three of those have been under Ken Norton. Um, but, um, I believe that these coaches are decent teachers you know, they've been in the NFL. They've been around a, a long time. At least Ken Norton's a good linebacker coach. Absolutely. You know, we know that much, right? So and he the, can coach the ability the to communicate and teach he can do that is That's what he's good at, but something that defense? was falling through. And you got to, at some point, the players got to be accountable at some point to yeah. a certain level. And so if your players, if you're saying that things are being taught, and I assume that they are, these are basic things we're talking about, Keith. I assume those things are being taught, but somehow or another lost in translation from practice to game day is on the players no, at that point. If it's getting lost, lost in translation on game day by everybody, then it's on the people doing the teaching. And I Pete know you're Carroll saying, came out and said Dunbar plays on his own unique style. Like what, what is that? He was throwing Dunbar under the bus without throwing Dunbar. He under threw the bus. Dunbar under the bus is um, what I'm trying to say, Keith. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, 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 um, it's not, it's, it's more than just that. It's all, all the miscommunication, all the people that are leaving people open and all that. It's not being taught. And what you're missing on all of that is who was the guy who actually taught the defensive backs from the day Pete Carroll arrived until Ken Norton Jr. became the um, the defensive coordinator. Chris Richard. Chris Richard. Chris Richard is a fantastic cornerback coach and teacher. Watching him coach and teach and watching guys learn from him during training camp is one of the things I absolutely loved about attending training camp. He was a great teacher. And now it's Andre Curtis, a guy I honestly swear to God before this show, I didn't even know. And honestly, I think he's doing a terrible job um, because he's like the passing game, like game coordinator on the defense and they're getting Correct. clobbered. And all of these things that require teaching, all of these things that require coaching, coaches to do coaching, which is getting people on the same page, all the communication stuff that needs to happen, making sure people know where to line up and what their job is. That's all stuff the coaches need to be teaching. And that's not happening. Because guys don't know where they need to be. All right. Let's shift um, gears a bit. So is there anything that we need to cover about the Buffalo game? Everybody at this point, we're recording on Tuesday. Everyone knows the outcome we lost to the, to the Bills. Let's not rehash that. You know, it's just one of those deals where we got behind early. We tried to catch up. We pressed. Defense continued to play poor, at least through, you know, most of the, well, all of the first half and, and some of the second half. In, in places and they just outscored us and, and beat us. And, and it wasn't that we 
did anything to 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 not win they they soundly beat us oh you know, yeah absolutely. they had a better game plan they had a better quarterback that day they had you know better defense and that's the end so all right um let's talk about some players just just so that we move to kind of a a positive outlook on this show a little bit damian lewis um now you talked about pro football focus i'll mention it again he's got a 92.2 grade coming out of this game 88.6 on pass block 90.9 on run block it's what you can no pressures allowed it's what you can see inside the um the broadcast camera and so broadcast you and so therefore it's uh, you know, I mean, interior linemen it, yeah. are, are, are good at, yeah. Their, I mean, they're, it's, great. it's not, yeah. it's not a difficult position to grade and you can see so, it on every play. So, what yeah, I'm saying is that. this guy's a ter- terrific, uh, draft pick. Oh, he's going to be on the all rookie team. Yeah. Easy, 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 easy. He's a fantastic draft pick. Billy played very well. Yeah. Carlos Dunlap. Great. 98%, per- 98% of the snaps, five pressures, uh, uh uh, one and a half sacks, four run stops, three tackles for loss. He seems like he really, he, he really impact. I said uh, 68. Oh, I said 98. Uh, I'm like, I don't no, think that's no. accurate. Yeah, 68%. <laughs> you know, he's a, he was a force in there. Yeah. Not only all those stats, but he was active all game. Mm-hmm. And, and really I thought contributed to Jaron Reed's success in this game, two and a half sacks. Yeah. I mean, you look at, uh, Jerron Reed's best year came in Frank Clark's best year. Yes, exactly. And I don't think that that is said often enough that Frank Clark was so good that teams were so focused on him and getting double coverage or, you know, double uh, teaming him that it let Jerron Reed do some fun stuff in the middle. And now you've got Dunlap in there doing some really nice things on the end and teams are having to focus on him. And guess what? Reed had his best game of the year. Those things aren't coincidental. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having Carlos Dunlap on this team. Immediately becomes Seattle's best pass rusher and arguably best player on the, on the defensive line along with Jerron Reed. It did not take, it's not a high bar to get over to become the best pass rusher on the Seahawks. It is not True. a high bar. True. Over. Yeah. But I am excited about having him on the team. That that really made a difference, actually. So if the if the defensive backs can somehow figure it out, maybe they just get Amadi back. Maybe they get Griffin back. Just one of the yeah, two and, would uh, help. Quentin Dunbar gets healthy or something. I don't know. But just one of those gotta... two would help because either way you you play either of them over Dunbar, you let flowers do his thing on the other side and you're like significantly better. And you let Dunbar get healthy. Um, and then you, you know, run him back out there. Cause he had a, yeah, you know, I agree. He had a couple of good games in there. Um, especially when they moved him over, um, to Griffin's side. Um, he had a couple of really good games in there and then God, he just freaking laid an egg in this. So game. when you look at it too, Keith, Quentin Dunbar and, and Shaq Griffin are up uh, contract year. And um, would you pay either one of those guys to come back next year? Or do you start over? I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't break the bank for either one of them, especially given 
you know, the off field stuff that they, they dealt with with Dunbar and he's been hurt a lot in his career. And, I mean, and if he came in and played and, lights out, like he was advertised, didn't have the injury concerns with his knees. I mean, he might end up having knee surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so Griffin's the only one of, of those two that I'd pay. And yeah, I would, and but I, I wouldn't would, even pay Griffin top 10, but I wouldn't know. I wouldn't break the, and, but he's going to want to, to get that. And I don't think he's worthy. He's not going to, he's going to want it. He's and, a good player. He's a good person as a, mm-hmm. as just a, as a person. You want to be able to take care of your own, but he needs to be able to, to kind of fall in line where his value is for the Seahawks to be able to offer a contract there. And I'm talking like maybe a six to $7 million two year deal. Yeah, I mean, um, he would be more in line he with has shown, where he needs to be. He has shown that, you know, he's not the elite cornerback. He isn't a, a guy that's going to be your number one. Um, he's not a Stephen Gilmore or Richard Sherman or, you know, that kind of player. But he is a great secondary piece if you have a number one. So I agree. So I totally agree with so that. Don't pay him to be the number one. Pay him to be the number two. And if you... If he really wants number one money and someone else is going to give it to him, fine. Let someone else give it to him and go sign someone else or go draft someone else. Maybe go somebody else coming one. in to be a, a true number one corner would, would make Trey Flowers better. And you you keep Trey Flowers in that second role. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe you bring in, you know, regardless of what we're talking about right now, the secondary is going to be revamped next year. I mean, they're not going to come in with the same group, obviously. Um Jamal Adams is coming back. You've got Diggs under contract, but beyond that, uh, you've got a lot of opportunity to to make some moves. Amadi would be would be back in this in the slot, and he's proven to be really pretty pretty good in that role. Marquise Blair, Trey Flowers will be back as well. <laughs> yes, right. So you've got some pieces. You just I think you need that number one guy. Yeah, this this is a defense that because of the way they play and the way they do things and the way they scheme everything. It worked really well when they had Richard Sherman because of what he could do. And he closed how off how, one third of the field. Yeah. And how much well, more than and one Thomas third of the field. and Thomas closed off the other third. No, he closed off two thirds. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's true. I mean, there were, there were times where they, they just flat out yeah. didn't allow any receptions for, for an entire game. But yeah. Yeah. So you have, I mean, you have um, where the defense works great when you've got, a, a number a set number one that can dominate the way Sherman did because it frees up your strong safety to go make plays. And yes, I think it all works together. I think that's part of what's going on with Diggs this year is that he is being held in the center of the field, um, like with an anchor and he's not able to fly around and make plays like he did last year. Um, and a lot of that is Griffin played pretty well last year. Like, played really well he was a pro bowler last year um and he hasn't played up to that and now he's hurt and you know dunbar certainly he's had a couple of good games but overall he hasn't been uh what he was advertised at um there is something to be said about you know they're making Diggs's job harder because the corners aren't covering and they're, they're just not able to do their thing And I think that it all does kind of play together, as you were saying, like you need, they need someone. Um, I like Adams. I love that his energy, I love his fire. I love that he, he flies around and hits people and makes plays and does all these great things. But if you're going to pay a defensive back 
I don't think strong safety is the position. Um, so do you do think, <clears throat> I think that, you know, you could see a, a Jamal Adams hold out next year, at least through camp and, and come back in and, and play out his contract. Um, because of just exactly what you said, there's going to be, there, there needs to be an infusion of talent on this defense. We're going to have to start playing, you know, you're going to either pay a free agent, uh, starting caliber, uh, number one kind of corner to come in, which is very expensive or you draft high in the draft. And we don't have one. We don't have a one. We've got a two. I think we don't have a three, you know, it's going to be pretty bleak in the draft as well. So we've got some serious holes and problems to solve. I think you can leave most of your offense alone. Chris Carson's going to need to get paid or, or replaced. Um, but other than that, not a lot going on in the, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense is going to need to have lots of money thrown at it and, and some draft picks. Well, there's going to be money to throw around at it because you look at like, you know, Greg Olson's will be gone and that contract will, you know, come off the books and the rest of the offensive line is going to, um, you know, be stable and there except for Lou Potty will be gone and that contract will come off the books. Because at this point, why would you pay Lou Potty when Simmons has been better and younger and cheaper? Um, with, with Haynes uh, in the wings. Yeah, Haynes will be um, off IR and 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 ready to roll in there too. I mean, you've got there's a lot going on. Um, you know, where you've got these players that are being paid that aren't contributing. Um, Philip Dorsett comes to mind, uh, who's probably not going to play this year. So that comes off the books at, at the end of the year. Yeah, Carlos Hyde. You know, if, if you if you don't Benson Mayo. Yeah, if you, you Irvin, mean, Bruce Irvin. these are guys that are not really contributing. They're not really giving the team anything, but they're counting a bunch against the cap. And so they can just not bring any of them back. Let play the young kids that are playing now um, and use that money to go get yourself a number one corner. You know, go sign. Uh, I don't know who, like which of them are set to be free agents, but you know, a Stephen Gilmore, if he becomes available out of New England or, or someone like that, go get yourself a guy that you can stick get a top, over there. Just get a top 10 guy. I think, you know, a top 10 corner in the league uh, would, would suffice that fits best in what P. Carroll likes to do, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, so um, let's talk about the NFC West briefly before we start talking about the next opponent, the Los Angeles Rams. Who surprisingly are, are better than advertised this year? We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, NFC West: Seattle six and two, with a loss to the Bills. The Rams had a bye week. They're at five and three. Arizona Cardinals lost to the Miami Dolphins. Miami's resurgency is is pretty amazing. Miami winning four straight after the Seattle game. Uh, they lost to uh, uh, Miami thirty four to thirty one in kind of a shootout, and uh, Tua at the end played really well. 49ers four and five lost to Green Bay thirty four to seventeen. <clears throat> that season is over for them. Yeah. Um, there's just no way that they can endure um without losing any more games this year. Well, the that's a team that I mean, the Seahawks are injured, especially on the back end of their defense, but the Seahawks injuries are nothing compared to what San Francisco has dealt with. And I know we talked about it last week, but it's been absolutely crazy how much how many, how much talent and how many starters and how much of their salary cap and everything that's currently on injured reserve. So 
yeah, their season's done. Um, they are going to start. Uh, they're going to start tanking without tanking. Um, like they're not going to say they are. They're not going to do them. But you're going to see a lot of young players play and a lot of veterans see their their playing time drop as they as they develop players for next year and that kind of stuff. Um, so they're going to fall off and and play for a draft pick. But the other two teams aren't going away. Arizona is good. They're not, uh, as I think I've been saying since the beginning, they're they're not quite ready for prime time, but they're close. Um, they're quite a wild card team. Yeah, they're probably a wild card team, and um, uh, they they have some growing to do, and they need to replace a few very old players with younger players, and um, you know infuse uh, get some youth and, and energy in there in certain places, but. Yeah, we good. talked to, you know, originally uh, at the beginning of the year, we talked to them being a nine or 10 win season, which is quite an improvement from last year. Five wins. Mm-hmm. You go to nine or 10. That's uh, you're doing pretty good. And they're that team. You know, they're a nine win team. If the ball bounces right, they're going to be to 10 wins. Their schedule gets a little tougher in the second half of the year. And so that's something to watch Losing how they the develop. Dolphins isn't gonna help. <laughs> that's not a good sign, but the <laughs> Dolphins are... Um, a little better than, you know, they've, they've come on. So I think I, um, when we were kind of talking about the NFL, one of our shows leading up to the, the regular season kickoff, we talked about the Miami Dolphins a little bit. I think when we were doing our prediction show or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking that they would, they had a roster. They had, they had some talent. And if they could kind of put it together in the second half of the season, they would kind of come on. And and we kind of bannered that back and forth a little bit. And you were a little bit more bearish on, on that aspect. And um, I, I think that both of us are right in a sense in that they had a, they had a ceiling with Fitzpatrick and now with Tua, I think maybe they really start to kind of come around and coalesce around him. Mm-hmm. And he gives them opportunities to win games at the end of fourth quarters where Fitzpatrick, I don't know that that, that, that was the case. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting team to watch. They're a better team with Tua, even with him being a rookie and they had to like, you know, you, you have to do certain things with rookie quarterbacks. You don't call quite the same, you know, depth of plays and, and that kind of stuff. But he's a, he is a dynamic player. He is a difference maker. He is what Russell Wilson was in 2012, right? Makes mistakes, yes. But at the end of the day, he makes plays other people can't. And that gives you a chance to win. And honestly, I said that I thought the Dolphins were a year away. And when Tua goes into his second year and you give them another year to continue to build the roster around him, they're going to be dangerous next year. I don't think they're ready to compete now, but they're fun. They are fun. And you watch that game against Arizona. That game was fun. It was two great Yes. Young, young quarterbacks yes. that are athletic, yeah. that run around, that make plays, that extend plays that you think you think they're the, the plays stopped and then they, you know, somehow get free and complete a 30 yard pass downfield. And you're like, how did they do that? It's like it's like two young Russell Wilson's out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the interesting thing for Miami is their defense came came up, you know, um, for them at the at the end of the game there. So, um, yeah. It's it's going to be an interesting, fun team to watch. It's kind of, it reminds me of the 49ers from two years ago, where they kind of built their their roster off all those losing years and high draft picks, and um, 
that's that's kind of where they're at. So let's talk about the Rams. Rams come in five and three. Uh, their wins have come against the Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Washington's uh, football team, and the Bears. So what do you do with that? I need a good, I need a good team on that list. <laughs> and their losses have been the Bills, the 49ers, and the Dolphins. The Dolphins have uh, everybody but the, the Seahawks in the NFC West, they beat. That's, that's interesting to me. Um, so they've lost uh, against some good teams, and they've, they've beat some bad teams. Maybe the Bears maybe could be the best team in that list. But... Um, Bears have one of the worst offenses. It it it, in the it gives me now. I saw some takes on Twitter today that were really uh, pulling no punches on on the Seahawks' chances against the Rams because of how poorly they played against the Bills, and you just can't judge how the Seahawks are going to play against the Rams based on their performance against the Bills. Um, the Rams have given Seattle issues and problems uh, in the past, but the way that these teams are constructed currently, I, I have to look at Seattle as being a favorite in this game um, just by the virtue of, of Seattle's offense. And then the Rams offense is, is not quite as, as stellar as it has been in prior years, but their defense is actually better statistically than I think people have given them credit for. So how do you read this game and how do you read the, the Rams? Well, this game is going to be very interesting to me because you're going to have the best defensive tackle in football, a.k.a. Aaron Donald. Yeah. Um, up 26 against, tackles, nine sacks. I mean, is that, in eight games. Yeah. I mean, he nine sacks in eight games. Um, right. And on pace for 18 on the inside. This isn't a defensive end. This is an, an interior. Um, absolutely dominates games. Like, yeah. Nobody since Tez has done. Like, literally, he's like, and oh. he's the focal point. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he's going to line up and and play against uh, Damian Lewis, who's one of the best interior um, I, guards. I love, I love that matchup. It, it, I want to see that matchup, actually. Yeah. I know that Damian Lewis is probably going to get beat a couple times. Yeah. But I want him to also have some moments yeah. where see, he I gets mean, the best of be, Aaron Donald. Go in there and be prepared for Lewis to lose that battle. But he's not going to get destroyed in that battle the yeah. way everybody did in the past in Seattle. Um, and so I, 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 I'm fascinated by that. But they have – he's great. Ramsey on the back end has played very, very well. Um, and they're going to they're gonna put him on DK Metcalf and um, see if he can shut down Metcalf um, one-on-one. That's going to be fun to watch like those two matchups when Seattle's got the ball are going to be fantastic. I actually am not a huge fan of the bills defense outside of those two guys. I don't, you think, mean the Rams? Sorry. I earlier, I called the Rams or the bills, the Rams. <laughs> um, I am not a huge fan of the Rams defense out of, out of other than those two guys. Um, I think they do some good things. I think they're, um, they're yeah, not, Leonard Floyd came in, he's given him a couple sacks. He's got some tackles on the season. He was a, their free agent kind of signing a $10 million one-year deal. Ashawn Robinson's come in, played the run fairly effectively. Mm-hmm. Their, their, their points scored against them has actually been pretty decent this year. I mean, if you want to just call that the, the most telling stat of a defense is how many points do, do teams score on you? 
um, they're doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, I, I don't love their defense, but I don't hate it. And they do have a couple of really nice pieces that are going to make for really fun matchups because they match up against a couple of the best pieces on Seattle's offense. Right? It used to be Aaron Donald would come in and the Seahawks have no counter to it. And you're like, oh my God, how do you... He's going to eat. Especially with Joey Hunt at center. Yeah. That I mean, was, he, that was awful. He's, you know, you're like, Aaron Donald's going to just destroy that line. Um, you know, where. But he was only one guy you had to worry about. Though. True. And so. I mean, you, Fowler was on the other side and you could kind of work around that a little bit, but it was always about Donald. Yeah. And, and now, it still is. And it's, and it, uh, right now it, it oh, definitely is because Fowler is gone. And Posick and, and Lewis in there in the, in the middle uh, it really kind of clogs that up. Yeah. They've been, a, they've been a great up. Upgrade. So instead of Seattle getting dominated by Aaron Donald, they have a chance to hold their own. And I think that's going to be fun to watch. Um, on the other side of the ball, I mean, Jared Goff is not a special player, um, but he's going to look like one on Sunday. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, Jared Goff on the air, 65.5% completion percentage, 2,100 yards, 13 touchdowns, six interceptions, 94.6 quarterback rating. So he's. Average, league average, all across the board. 13 touchdowns, and Wilson has 28 or 29. I think it's 28. Uh, Yeah, no, our offense is clicking. You know, we're the the Rams of of yesteryear, you know, where where, uh, they were scoring points all over the place, Mm -hmm. and uh, Seattle's having that sort of season. But, you know, they've got some individual contributors and and Cooper Cup who's having a a great year, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, Josh Reynolds. Their receiving core is is decent and can get get behind you. And and Seattle will have a hard time with at least two of the the four of those guys. Yeah. uh, At any one time. Cooper Cup is underrated. Yeah. A bit large possession style receiver. Who um, just, I really he, loved him coming out of the draft too. Gets, he he gets open, gets open. He makes catches. He gets first downs. He's not dynamic. He's not a guy. He's no one's going to confuse him for DK Metcalf. But you know what? He's also going to have seven receptions every single game, and yes. of those, six of them will gain a first down, and five of those will be on third down. Yeah. Um, he is just a guy gets open and makes catches. And I really wish Seattle had drafted him out of Eastern Washington. I agree. I totally agree. And I can't remember what the scenario was there, but I, I'm absolutely positive. He was probably on their radar. Um, Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds, guys that kind of stretch the field. Mm-hmm. Um, Daryl Henderson, running back, is carrying the load these days. 95 carries, 458 yards, 4.8 average per carry. Three touchdowns. He's 5'8", 207, a little on the small side, but he gets the job done. Malcolm Brown's their big, bigger guy, 75 carries this year. Cam Akers is their draft pick. We both like Cam Akers coming out of the draft. Third round pick for them, 35 carries, 148 yards so far. But he had a pretty decent outing last week, and Coach said that uh, he would he would get a few more carries. I assume those are coming in, in lieu of Malcolm Brown. So, um, And that's... That's it for the Rams. I mean, that's their team. They're seems like they're overperforming record wise um, against inferior opponents, which is all you can do in the NFL. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're playing the folks that are against uh, you know in front of them, and they're winning the games they but should the, win. The Giants, but they are losing the games. Washington, that, the Eagles, Dallas. Yes. Uh, and and the Bears and the, the Bears. Bears. So you got four of the worst teams. And they only hung twenty four points on the Bears. Bears only scored ten though against them. Yeah. Well, the Washington Bears, only scored ten against them. Giants only scored nine. This is how they have their scoring defense. Mm-hmm. Bears scored 10. Washington scored 10. Giants scored nine. Eagles scored 19. Cowboys scored 17. All below league average. And when they played the um, the Cowboys, it was when they didn't have Dak Prescott. So it was, it was, it was after the... That was uh, their first game of the season. It was? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was thinking it was it was um, it was later in the year. I must be thinking of Arizona, um, or maybe it was the second game, first or second game. So yeah, I mean, you know, the Rams. I don't know if they're going to do as well in the second half. I mean, their schedule is the like the sixth or seventh most difficult schedule remaining. Mm-hmm. Um, the Seahawks have the easiest schedule remaining. Um, so the the Seahawks seemingly have the easier path forward um and, and it'll one, be really and interesting one, this and currently a one game lead and a currently a one game lead it'll be re- really interesting to see if the Seahawks respond um in this game and and really kind of make a statement uh about the Rams um winning in the NFL is not easy um and so every game is 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 a new entity in and of itself but I would seriously doubt that Seattle comes and lays an egg like they did against the bills. Yeah, I agree. And, um, this is a, this is kind of a, this is a big game because, um, you know, six and two is one thing, six and three and you, you lose it. You lose your second division game out of, out of, you know, the three you've played and you now you're in second place because the Rams have the same record as you and they're, and they have the head to head and things start to get a little tight. Um, mm-hmm. This but, is the game that you want to win. You go out so and, this is the this is one of the two teams that you're going to have to defend mm-hmm. against uh, winning this division this year. And you might as well get them early. Um, yeah, I mean, if the Seahawks go out and win this game, now they're seven and two. The Rams are two games back, and the Seahawks have games against the Jets, Giants, Eagles, and Washington still on the schedule. That's <coughs> beside their <coughs> besides their division games. So you're looking at 11 wins really easy um, at that point. And then you just have to hold serve and in division to get to 12 or 13 and you're right. good. Um, you I, lo- I agree. I think this is the, the most difficult remaining game mm-hmm. because it is an away game, uh, shiny new stadium. So we get to see that this week. Um, for me, this, this is the game. We got the Cardinals at home. Uh, then the Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington, the Rams again at home, and then the, at the 49ers. By then, the 49ers are going to be, just, you know, I would imagine just as decimated as they are today. So, they will uh, shut so many people down by then. You know, we've got two losses now. I can I can easily see us losing two more, just given the, the fact that, again, it's hard to win in the NFL. Uh, but there's not a team on here that really scares me. Our own defense <laughs> scares me worse than anything these other teams do i don't really care like i said last week in last week's show i don't really care who we face there's not really any teams out there that that scare me save maybe one or two in the entire league um the way that seattle plays on offense if it's playing within itself and 
the defense gives us any chance at all. Uh, I think we can beat anybody, but um, it, it, you would want to see some improvement down the stretch here. We've got some opportunity. Uh, you're playing the 49ers. You're playing uh, the Eagles. You're playing the, the Giants, the Jets, Washington. You've got a chance uh, in those games, and I don't care if they're really bad opponents or not. It gives your defense a chance to gain some confidence to play some good games, to get some get back into the turnover game. We didn't have any against the Bills. I think this defense kind of depends on that to kind of help them a little bit. I think I, I, I would hope that the Seahawks um, take some time in the next eight games to develop their running game a little bit more. To uh, you know, Chris Carson's only on pace to get about 650 yards. Um, that's somewhat uh, unusual. I'm not going to say somewhat. That's very unusual for a Pete Carroll coach team to do, even when they're increasing their passing rate on first and second down, you still want to be able to have that as somewhat of your smash mouth identity, especially in closing games and so forth. Seattle just hasn't been able to, to do that yet. So it'd be nice to get Chris Carson back in the fold or Hyde and, or a combination of that, maybe Penny. Uh, there's talk of maybe Penny being able to come back uh, within the next two to three, two to four weeks. Penny actually was the one who was talking about that. He came out and um, answered some questions Says he's excited to be out there. He's, um, he's no longer running in straight lines only. He's doing some cutting and doing some agility work. He's not quite ready, um, but he's excited to be out and knows he's going to be able to come back this year. Uh, All of that statement makes me happy because, you know, they're going to need him. Um, Yes. And uh, at the right exact right time. Yeah, I mean, Carson. Couple, couple, three, four weeks before the playoffs start. That would be perfect. Yep, Carson's been hurt, and Penny's been, or um, Hyde's been hurt, and they've been trying to just makeshift it in the backfield. And they added Alex Collins. Um, my guess is that Collins is going to see a lot of run uh, this week against the Rams. Yeah, um, it's beginning to look like 2019 replay. Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, and we went into this year fully loaded at running back. We are not that anymore. So, yep. Um, um, what what's your take on this game, Keith? I don't see. I mean, the Rams are are really well coached. I think uh, people got off of the Sean McVay bandwagon last year when things sort of fell apart. Um, and but they're well coached. They do a lot of things okay. They don't do anything great offensively or defensively, except for stand around and watch Aaron Donald just destroy people. Uh, I get some pressure on Eric, uh, Jared Goff for once. Yeah. Because teams that get pressure on him. He falls apart. He exactly. doesn't have at all. It'd be nice if Dunlap could have a big game and et cetera. Well, I'd, I'd like to see them, uh, rather than start in that super passive zone and then go to blitzing, start with blitzing. And then just when you think he, they're going to blitz, drop out of it. Uh, like later and, and just flip the script on that a little bit. I think you can rattle Jared Goff pretty easy. And I honestly, I think that's how the Seahawks win this game. So you get Jared Goff rattled, you get him to make some turnovers and you let Russell Wilson do Russell Wilson things. So they get up early and you force Jared Goff to beat you rather than letting them uh, run the ball. And he's not going to beat you. He's not that kind of player. So I think the Seahawks can do that. I, also, don't trust Seattle's defense to take advantage of all the opportunities they get. So, 
I'm thinking something like probably. I mean, their turnover ratio before this last game was was pretty decent. True, but that was also because Russell Wilson and company hadn't turned it over more so True. than the defense had turned the other. Team. Well, I mean, the the, the turnover uh, generated turnovers. They were ranked second in the NFL before the Bills game. So uh, I just think that you, I don't trust the defense to keep the score down. So what was your score? 28-24? Seattle. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I see the ship getting, uh, you know, righted a little bit in this game. And I think that the bills, uh, not the bills, the Rams, sorry. Now you got me going. Um, I think that the, the Rams are going to have a difficult time scoring 24, 25 points, because I, I honestly believe that maybe we found something in Dunlap and that defense starts to coalesce around that defensive line. And we get some pressure more consistently now. Um, even if we dial the blitz back a little bit and play some some more base um, to help those defensive backs a little bit, put one more guy into coverage, maybe, and maybe that is is something that they uh, find a formula in at least you know for this game. Um, and then offensively, Rams ain't slowing down Russell Wilson. It just is not going to happen, um, and he's not going to allow himself to get. Into the, the turnover bug again, so I see it. You know, Seattle's going to score their thirty-five. It's just the way it is, and the Rams are going to be in the, the thirty or the twenty, twenty-one to twenty-four range. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I look at at all of this, and I, I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, how would I, how would I scheme the talent Seattle's got to fix the um, the coverage issue? And let me let me just run this this idea by you. Imagine if the Seahawks drop the cover three and go to cover two. They bring in Ryan Neal so that Ryan Neal and um, Diggs are the the two deep safeties. You got your let your cornerbacks come up and play in the flat. So end. you're talking about playing zone a little um, bit more, and you let Jamal Adams be what would be uh, in that coverage would be the the middle linebacker um, on some plays where they have to where the hard part of the cover two is getting your middle linebacker um, to start up near the line of scrimmage, but then still not get beat deep down the middle because as your safeties widen, right, he leaves that hole in the middle. And so you have that. So some of the times it would be Bobby Wagner, sometimes it would be Adams, but that also leaves the other one also up near the line to just be crazy and, you know, do disruptive things. Um, And to run that more of a scheme in order to help the corners that are struggling and help the back end, which is which is struggling, and give them a, a simpler yeah. game plan. Yeah, I mean, cover two. I mean, we've run that in the past uh, very successfully, depending on personnel. Um, in this last game, they ran cover zero, 11.8% of the snaps. They ran cover one, which is man coverage, mm-hmm. 33.8% of the snaps, according to Jeremiah, um, Daniel Jeremiah. Um, and it looked like his own. <laughs> even though we were running man because players like Dunbar were off, off his man, like 14 yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, even on third and, and, you know, seven or eight, they were, they were dropping way back. It was just unreal to me. So anyway, I, I agree. I think they could, they could do some things to, to help out. Um, I do think dropping another guy into coverage would be good. I think that your idea earlier of, um, of, of getting the best players on the field, regardless of position and f- 
try to figure out where they fit out there. Like you mentioned, Ryan Neal coming in as a big, um, big nickel or, or, or a dime guy. And I just think that, um, you know, you get the guys out there that can play and if Dunlap or Dunlap, uh, Dunbar can't go, or he looks like he's going to be a step slow. Do not let that guy become a victim again because they're going to pick on him. Mm-hmm. And they um, picked on him, you know, they picked on him all game up and yeah. down the field all game. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have that guy hundred percent. Otherwise he's going to get picked on. It's going to be a spot that, that it's like a, you know, a scab that just keeps getting pulled off. So, okay. Um, so we both predict wins. I think the Seahawks can do it. Don't give up faith. I think, you know, the, the, the Carlos Dunlap thing is important and it's going to help that pass rush all year. I don't know if we're going to get Daryl Taylor back. I don't know if there's any more help than currently out there. Sounds like Snacks Harrison might be a guy that can come back and not come back. Start for the first time. Monet's uh, got a high ankle sprain. Don't know if that means uh, he misses time, but it would make sense if he's not 100% to go ahead and bring uh, Snacks Harrison in. I think that's an upgrade. I'm not exactly sure why they've waited this long. It seems like they probably could have brought him in this last week. Um, but, but it would be nice. I think that to have a player of that caliber come back in there and, um, and defend against the run we're we're stout anyway, but teams are throwing, you know, tons and tons against us. Maybe that's why they, they haven't brought them in. So, um, that's it. Anything else, Keith? No, let's go get a win, get the season back going. Um, you know, a win here puts them in control. Um, schedule they're not only would they have the lead but they've the schedule lines up for them yeah and the cardinals come in next so there's another team you lay a a a loss on and all of a sudden oh that the rest and then the rest of the schedule lines up for you and that's it it's over win these next two right the divisions are they go to eight and two they've got four layups in there and the 49ers um are likely to be a a layup at the end so you're talking five more wins um, there you're like, now you're looking at a 13 and three with the only other game else being against the Rams again. Nobody's catching you. Nobody's catching you if they win these next two. Um, I agree. I, I agree. I don't think they have to win them both. I think they have to win one. Um, I would given the choice, I would prefer that they be Arizona. Uh, if, if, because you still have another shot at the Rams, you can beat them later on in the year, then, then you, you make up for that. But I, I think you, you have to win one of these two but if you win them both you're in command like, and not just kind of in command like you, the division's yours um, lose them both and you're in a lot of trouble if you're Seattle alright we're going to get out of here let's find Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL I'm at NWSeahawk the show is at Seahawks Playbook SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the shows and find us on your favorite podcast app and uh, until next time Keith Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.